Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today is Wednesday, October 14th, 2020. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, Virginia has extended its voter registration deadline after the site went down yesterday on the last day. We'll tell you how long voters in Michigan can now, excuse me, in Virginia can now register. Michigan is one of the battleground states in play. We'll talk to Detroit NAACP president about getting souls to the polls. Also, the Supreme Court allows the Trump administration to end the census counting tomorrow. We will Explain further. Brigham Young University in Idaho issued a warning about college students intentionally trying to contract COVID-19 to make money. And the Trump administration is embracing herd immunity. In other words, let coronavirus spread naturally. Really? Two victims of sexual assault at Pace Academy 
A prestigious school in Atlanta have filed a lawsuit against the school. We'll get details about that from the attorney and Ice Cube. Uh, the, Trump, the Trump folks say he partnered, Ice Cube partnered with them on Trump's platinum plan. Hmm. Plus, today's black tech segment will show you smart T-shirts with scannable QR codes that take you to voter registration information. And the dog walking Central Park Karen has been charged with filing a false report. Turns out she called the police twice. And today's crazy ass white person comes to us from Utah. Wait till you see this nut. It's time to bring the funk on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. court has extended Virginia's voter registration deadline after an accidentally clipped fiber optic cable took down the Department of Elections website on Tuesday for hours on the final day of voter registration. Voters in Virginia will now be able to register until 11.59 p.m. on Thursday, in person or online. Joining us now is Judith Brown-Diana. She's the executive director of the Advancement Project National Office. Judith, uh, this obviously uh, is uh, a big deal here in terms of the decision made. Um, we had Lieutenant, the Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax on yesterday, and I'm still trying to understand how a power line is accidentally clipped on the last day of voter <laughs> registration. But uh, luckily, uh, this ruling uh, came down and, and people will still be able to uh, register. Yeah, I think that's this is important. Um, number one, it's important because people have two more days to register until tomorrow at midnight, uh, which is important. Something similar happened in Virginia in 2016, where there was another lawsuit and they got another 36 hours and over 25,000 people registered in that 36 hour window. Um, so this is important. There's um, Because the last thing we wanna do is make it harder for people to register, right? But that's in Virginia. Right. And the governor and um, and the lieutenant governor were actually on our side. They but we had to go to court because they had to be ordered to actually extend the deadline. Um, unlike Florida, where we also had to um, sue. I think that was last week we sued the state of Florida for uh, a similar problem where on the very last day their site went down. Uh, and people were caught not being able to register. And there they extended it until midnight the next day, but they fought us tooth and nail for any further extension. So in Florida, we have a governor who's not friendly to um, people voting and versus Virginia, where they really want an inclusive democracy, you get a different result. Uh, look, the, the, one of the things that, I, that I'm, I'm constantly trying to do is to get people to connect the dots. Mm -hmm. The only reason this is being extended is because a federal judge made the decision. Mm -hmm. So if you don't vote for president and you don't vote for the Senate race, or if you do vote and you vote for the wrong folks, 
then that then determines who these federal judges are. In Texas, a federal judge ruled against the governor's decision to only limit each county to one male drop box. That got appealed to the Fifth Circuit. A three-judge panel, all Trump appointees, ruled in favor of the governor overturning that decision. If you don't have federal judges who care about voting rights, you're not going to see these type of rulings. That's right. And this, I mean, that Texas is a great example of that, where, you know, you have a governor who, who is uh, an opponent of voting rights, who wanted to make it harder to voters, and then you have a federal bench. And that's important that these judges and the Trump administration has appointed more judges in their four years than President Obama did in eight years. And so that impact is going to be an impact for forever. If we think about the Supreme Court nominee, right, this Supreme Court nominee is very important because not only is the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, going to be decided, a, a case going to be decided the week after election, and this person could be sitting there, but also this judge will probably be involved in a voting rights case related to the election and the presidential race. And so, yeah, it's it's very important. It's all connected, and we should not think that it is not. Um, and, and, and the thing here is, again, when you see these type of attacks on voting, in this case, a power line gets cut. But again, we, we talk, when we talk about what is happening in these other states, there is a very clear effort by the Republican Party to limit people from voting because they know if they shrink the electorate, they have a better chance of winning. Yesterday, more than a million Texans cast early ballots, and they haven't even did a, done a final tabulation. That's a record. That's right. I mean, this is, you know, I, I always think that people say, oh, you're talking partisan. Actually, I'm not talking partisan. I'm talking fact. The Republican Party across the board has tried to make it harder to vote, including in a pandemic. So the lawsuits that have been filed about are lawsuits where we're trying to expand opportunities to vote, make people safe so they don't have to choose between their health and the right to vote. Meanwhile, Republican governors and election officials are trying to make sure that, oh, you actually should have your ballot in on election day, not postmark by election day. Or we're not going to do drop boxes everywhere because we actually don't want you to be able to drop off your off your ballot because we don't want your ballot in the first place. So this, I mean, it comes down to them trying to save their party, save their guy in the White House, but it's also targeted at Black people because they know that when we turn out, there's going to be, an, we're a different electorate, and we are not going to support people who don't support our rights. But, and for people to understand, um, Anthony, go to my iPad. Appeals court, text, appeals court dismisses Texas GOP lawsuit over drive-through voting in Harris County. They literally are bitching about drive-through voting. And the judges right. rule that there is no harm for the GOP when it comes to drive-through voting. They literally are pissed about drive-through voting. That has nothing to do whether you're a Democrat or Republican. They want to stop any effort to make it easier for people to vote. Here are folks trying to stay safe by remaining in their cars. Republicans are like, no, 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 no. We want y'all to get the hell out of your cars, sit, standing long lines and wait. That's right. That's right. And, and the reason they're doing that is because they're hoping that we'll get frustrated and we will make a choice to stay home. 
That is exactly why their their calculation is if we make them jump through hoops, then they won't vote. Um, and clearly, if we look at Georgia, if we look at if we look at Texas, we look at these long lines. People are saying, "The heck with that! I'm standing in this line as long as I can." But literally, if you, I mean, like, what's it to you, Roland, to be able to have drive through? And it's not even drive. First of all. There should be places where actually you can drive up and cast your ballot right there, right? Like curbside voting. Okay. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about your mail-in ballot being able to have a drop box that you put it in, right? They don't want us to have that. What's it to you that you have more than one? As long as you have it secured, it has cameras, all of that, like other places have done, what's it to you? What it, what's it to them is that they just don't want us to vote. Um, look at this story right here, uh, from Kyle Griffin. Uh, it's actually a, a piece. He tweeted this piece. I'm sorry from the Washington Post video show videos show closed door sessions of leading conservative activists. Be not afraid of the accusations that you're a voter suppressor suppressor. This is what the lead said as the presidential campaign enter its final stages. A fresh-faced Republican activist named Charlie Kirk stepped into the spotlight at a closed-door gathering of leading conservatives and shared his delight about an impact of the coronavirus pandemic, the disruption of America's universities. So many campuses had closed, he said, that up to half a million left-leaning students probably would not vote. So please keep the campuses closed, uh, he said to a cheering audience, like it's a great thing. I mean, you know, it's like, so you want to open the businesses, right, but keep the campuses closed because keeping the campuses closed keeps you in office. I mean, this is, you know, the the hypocrisy of it all, which really is about them knowing that young people are not voting for them. Young people see the handwriting on the wall. They want their college debt wiped out, right? And the Republicans ain't going for that. And so they want to make this harder for them. They want them to sit at home and not vote. Um, and this, you know, I have rolling my daughter's an 18-year-old, just went off to college. She's in Louisiana. And I will tell you, it's very difficult for young students on campuses to vote, to figure out all of the rules. And so we need to understand that these rules are in place. These, you know, barriers are in place because there are some people who want to keep power for themselves and they see the browning of America and they know that, you know, we're not down with their agenda. And so they're they're holding on to their power um, and they're trying not to let go. Uh, in fact, uh, go back to my iPad, please. Tom Fitton, uh, someone you uh, know well, he's, of course, president of Judicial Watch. They're supposed to be, they are supposed to be a tax-exempt charity. This is what he said, okay? He called on the audience to find a way to prevent mail-in ballots from being sent to voters. Quote, we need to stop those ballots from going out and I want the lawyers here to tell us what to do. But this is a crisis that we're not prepared for. I mean, our side is not prepared for. Our side. Mm-hmm. He's clear on who his side is, right? And his side is not our side. And he, I mean, he's clear, and, and, and that is the thing, is that the, the right is, um, they're unabashedly, unapologetically, all about their power and they don't care 
who gets in the way. And they always have, they have these little, this is not the first time that we've heard these stories about these backroom meetings where they start to show their colors. Um, and it just so happens that somebody's in the room who's taping it and they are going after us. And so, but at the end of the day, this is the thing is that the power that we have is underscored by the, the length that they will go to, to actually stop us from voting. And they understand that they are not, people are not in favor of the things that are happening in this country and that we're going to, we're going to go out and vote. And we're, um, and, and that black people in particular, you know, we shouldn't have to go through all these hoops. We shouldn't have to jump over barriers, but we're going to do it. Um, because we know what is at stake and this election in particular, our health is at stake. The economy is at stake. Our families are at stake. Education is at stake. And so there's, there's too much for us on this ballot to sit on the sidelines and let, let them win by putting up barriers. Um, again, uh, not only that, so here you had Donald Trump uh, bitching and moaning about ballot harvesting. But check this out. According to this Washington Post story, where they obtained videotapes from these conservative activists, Ralph Reed, Faith and Freedom Coalition, another tax-exempt group, supposed to be nonpartisan. This is what he says. And so our organization is going to be harvesting ballots in churches. We're going to be specifically going in not only to white evangelical churches, but into Hispanic and Asian churches and collecting those ballots. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, like, it's okay for them to do it, right? Like, even the thing in California where... The GOP set up um, drop off box drop boxes, but and put a you know official on it, acting like it was really official, but it wasn't. All they're doing is they're doing the same harvesting thing. This is the thing. It's like they 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 really cannot get their story straight, right? Because on the one hand, Trump is saying don't vote by mail. On the other hand, the party is saying vote by mail. Oh, but not you people. Don't you vote by mail. We met these other people. And so this is, you know, it's it's just showing their their true colors and what they're about. And so, you know, we've got to just be um, prepared to do, to handle our business. Um, you know, I, w I went the other day, I saw the drop boxes in Maryland. You know, I'm looking forward to filling out my, my ballot this weekend and dropping it in one of those drop boxes. And so, we have to take the steps to protect ourselves, you know, wipe out all the disinformation and misinformation and make sure that we cast our ballot. Uh, well, I voted yes. I voted uh, yesterday uh, in Dallas uh, County. Wow. So I've already uh, Did you got use that, that one drop box. No, I went to the polls. No, I went to the polls. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, we did how, that. How long was the line? Uh, line wasn't long, uh, folks. Folks were in line, but uh, it also helps when uh, your parents work the polls, so uh, you understand <laughs> all the different places where you can vote. So, right, uh, so, so right. people are actually uh, doing well. So, Judith Brown, Diana, I certainly okay. appreciate it. Thanks Thank a lot. Thank you, Roland. All right, appreciate okay. it. Want to bring in my panel right now uh, to further talk about this. A. Scott Bolden, former chair, National Bar Association Political Action Committee. Robert Patillo, executive director, Rainbow Push Coalition, Peach. Tree Street Project, Michael Brown, former vice chair, DNC Finance Committee. Uh, this, is, this is real simple, uh, Michael. This is real simple what we're seeing here. And that is Republicans don't give a damn about, uh, about the voting rights of people of color. They don't care about the voting rights of everybody. They care about their side, largely white people, voting. 
uh, we see the games that they're playing, and I'm and I said it, and I don't care what people say. If you black and you voting for Donald Trump, you're voting against your own people. You're voting for thieves. You're voting for a, Repu a Republican Party that is hell bent on stealing elections. They want to put up every barrier. Yes, I don't care what anyone says. You can you can equate what Republican Party is doing today with what Dixiecrats and racists did to black people in the 50s and 60s to keep them from voting. And frankly, and hey, Roland, um, and possibly even worse, because in, maybe even in the uh, Jim Crow South, certainly in the, in the 50s and 60s, it was still kind of in the shadows and people knew what was happening. But in today's world, these, these folks are just telling you their strategy. They're not ashamed. They don't care. They want you to know exactly what they're doing, how they're doing it, and they want you to do something about it. And the way you do something about it, and that's why I'm so proud of folks that are standing in line for five, six, seven, ten hours in early voting to get their vote cast. It is so impressive. It's happening across the country. So people are saying, I don't care what your tactic is. I don't care how you try to scare me, how you try to suppress my vote. I'm going to vote anyway. So I'm proud of folks. But until one of the remedies, and we all, we all know the problems, but until we have a national election law, not state by state, where a certain governor, a certain county commissioner can change the rules, can remove boxes, until we have a national election day law, it's not that these kind of problems are going to persist. And we have to deal with, obviously, the Voting Rights Act. They can't keep coming up, obviously, for renewal. They should be permanent. And until those kind of issues, and we have the tools in our toolbox, but it starts with voting, getting these people out, and putting new people in. Uh Look, at the, at the end of the day, um, Robert, what, what we are seeing here, and again, I'm going, I'm going to say it, and I don't care what anybody out there says, if you are even remotely considering voting for any of these Republicans, you are voting for voter suppression. You are voting for a Kelly Loeffler in Georgia. You're voting for a Tom Tillis in North Carolina. You're voting for a John James in Michigan. You're voting for a Lindsey Graham in South Carolina. You're voting for a John Cornyn in Texas. You're voting for a Tiny Tuberville in Alabama. You're voting for a David Perdue in Georgia. You're voting for people who do not want to protect our elections, who do not want to reauthorize the Voting Rights Act. And when the Supreme Court next month takes up an Arizona case that could very well gut a Section 2, you could have... Uh, here we are, 55 years after the Voting Rights Act, you could have the most important voting legislation in American history completely gutted and allowing Republican legislatures to embark on political gerrymandering because the Supreme Court had no guts to deal with that. And what that then does, it ensures that Republicans are going to have gerrymandered districts, which guarantees they will get reelected, which means that the voting rights of others are simply being ignored. This is no doubt. This is not even a partisan issue. It is a, as Judith said, it's a fact issue.
know, to Judith's point, I think it's important to look at that point about demographics and the singularity that's coming in the near future, where America will become a majority-minority nation. Uh, the Republican Party has not won a, na uh, a national election in 16 years. Uh, they have won a grand total of one uh, popular vote. Uh, since 1988, which was in 2004. So they understand that the majority of American people are not with them. You very rarely see Republicans doing a voter registration drive uh, or get out the vote initiative. There's always some question about how to limit and minimize and decrease the vote, whether it be voter ID that we've been fighting over for 20 years or um, reduction in the number of early voting days in a state like Maryland. Uh, early voting starts on uh, on October 26th and ends on uh, November the 2nd. On, uh, uh, we We've been fighting for decades on this a question of who will and will not have the ability uh, to vote easily and effectively. As Reverend Jackson has said for decades, voting, voter suppression is not about the all-out wholesale um, banning of individuals from voting. It's about skimming, about schemes uh, that are put in place to minimize and to make it more difficult for certain populations which are antithetical to conservative movement to be able to uh, exercise their franchise. So it's crucially important that we understand that this is what we saw in apartheid South Africa towards the end, where an entrenched racial uh, or entrenched empowered racial majority is headed to becoming a minority. So they entrenched themselves in the court system. They entrenched themselves in the rules. They rigged the system so that they can still govern despite being the uh, the minority. They take that the Tocqueville idea of the tyranny of the majority entirely too far, and we have to make sure that we are cognizant of, the, of this and prepared to fight back in every way necessary. Um, I, I, look, I, I, I'm just, I'm just being clear. I, I don't care. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. <laughs> if, you, if you're looking on uh, any of our streams on YouTube, Facebook, on Periscope, uh, let's just be clear. The Republican Party wants to steal elections. When you sue in, t first of all, when the Republican governor gets rid of, says you can only have one mail drop box per county. We're talking about massive counties in Texas. Then when they, then not, not only that, in three years ago, the Republican legislature in Texas passed a law outlawing straight ticket voting because they said that they wanted people to really spend time thinking about their choices. No, <laughs> that's not why they did it. They did it because they were getting their asses kicked in the major counties with straight ticket voting, like in 2018 when 18 black women became judges. That's why they did it. Then we see, of course, the decision, as I talked about, you suing when it comes to drive-through voting. What are they going to sue next? Where they make where they make precautions for people who are elderly? Will they actually go to the car as opposed to having them come in? They're going to make those folks get out with their walkers or get out with their with, with, with their uh, car, scooters as well uh, to come in and vote. I can go on and on and on across this country how Republicans consistently and often make it about voter suppression. And I don't care how many times Mellick comes on here and says, no, it's not official part policy of the Republican Party. No. When Amendment 4 was passed in Florida, what did they do? Hell no, we're not going to let upwards of 1.4 million people get the right to vote back. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. They passed a law that said you got to pay all your fines and penalties, and then they sued them, went to the Supreme Court, and the state Supreme Court, to the federal courts, and allowed to stand. They are going, and, and Scott, last point. And speak to this. This is about white fear. This is about white Republicans not wanting black people, Latino people, 
Asian people, the Native Americans, to be able to be participants in this democracy. They are trying to guarantee as long as they can, because they see what's coming, white rule in America. Under color of law. <laughs> I mean, Michael talked about, well, during Reconstruction and back in the day, well, the most powerful part of all of this is, one, that the, the, these uh, specious arguments that are being made to protect the vote are really suppressing the vote and doing under color of law. Thank goodness that we've got an independent judiciary, even in some of these red states, who have thrown this nonsense out. But it, but it raises and begs another point, and Roland, you talk about this a lot, the importance of people not just voting at the top of the ballot, but down ballot at the state level and at the federal level, and, and, and being educated as a voter. Because you think about it, none of these voter suppression efforts, or most of them, could not play, whether it's gerrymandering or voter suppression, if the Republicans didn't control these state houses and these governorships. And so it's super important for the people who watch this show and for black people to understand the importance of their vote, to understand the power of the census, and understand why their vote matters as a pro uh, who you elect as a prosecutor, who you elect in your state legislature. And so the work begins after November 3rd, if Biden wins and the Democrats take back the Senate and the House. One, the work to undo all of these machinations that have undermined free and fair voting, but more importantly, to get Democrats elected at the state level as well as on the House and Senate side so that they can be protected dis despite who's in the White House. That's going to be a lot of work. What? Look, look, I, it's very clear what we're dealing with here. We also are looking at, uh, again, the type of misinformation that's being out there. And, and, and there also is, again, when, when you see the games being played uh, all across the country, even in all these different elections. And look, there are 19 days left before Election Day, but early voting, again, has started in so many different states. Michigan is in play, and leaders are warning voters to stay informed, be prepared, and don't mm -hmm. sit it out. Watch this video. To vote or not to vote, we cannot debate. Submit your ballots, we cannot delay. Your health and your safety ought not be erased, but without your vote, you have no say. Your vote is your voice, your ballot, your choice. Submit in the mail or go to the clerk or vote in the booth. Just make sure you're heard. Don't listen to lies. Our people have died to give you the right. We must exercise first. Equip yourself with the knowledge you need. Research the ballot. Share with family, judicial, legislative, and executive. Three different branches of the government, but all on the ballot, so check with it. Policies, rules, disaffecting our schools. Your vote is a tool for injustice to move. The best way for us to win the game is to get in the game. We see things in this system that we need to change. Racist police killing us in our streets, disrespecting our lives, killing us in our sleep. Ayanna Jones, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Priscilla Slater. Black lives need justice. We must demand greater. Are you mad? You should be. Frustrated? You should be. Fed up? You should be. So take your souls to the polls and vote on November 3. All right, joining us right now is the president of the Detroit NAACP, Wendell Anthony. Reverend Anthony, how you doing? 
Doing good, Roland. How you doing, man? I miss seeing your uh, ascot. You just got on a regular team. Well, you, you know, I was I was on the plane, so you know, we had it sitting here. Look, you you're gonna do branding of your show. Uh, that's what you got to do. So you know, that's 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 how we that's how it works. I understand. No problem, my brother. Let's talk about uh, this particular campaign here. Obviously, uh, it's about uh, getting people uh, focused on elect on the election, whether it means going in person, that means whether it's early voting, whether it's also mail-in balloting. I was talking about what Republicans uh, were doing um, uh, in, in these other places, but the same thing happened there uh, in Michigan, where voters went to the polls uh, to say enough with gerrymandering and what did the Republican legislature do to say, ah, the hell with the voters? All right. Well, it's a critical situation, Roland, and I was listening to your guests uh, prior to this segment, and you're absolutely correct. The bottom line is this. If our votes were not so important, they would not be doing the dirt that they are doing. In Michigan, I have received robocalls at my home, discouraging me from voting, uh, telling me that if I mail in my vote, uh, then I could be subject to all my privacy stuff being taken away, my credit card information, et cetera. You have a cadre of people who are enlisted to do that. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. has indicated they're trying to enlist 50,000 people to come into urban areas and other communities to discourage people from voting. You just talked about the fact that uh, the U.S. Postal Service, my man, has taken out machines and have tried to slow down and postpone the voting process between getting your absentee ballot applications and submitting them. That's why we're saying in Michigan, vote early and vote now. Don't wait. Take your stuff to the poll. What we have done is that we have a 1,000 mailboxes relative to the drop boxes all around Michigan. We have several in the city of Detroit where people can take their ballots and put them into the box, and they can do it right now. We started early voting uh, earlier uh, this month. We started to educate and to mobilize folks. You just ran a video about Take Your Souls to the Polls program. We're doing that all over the state, and, and you've seen it in other parts of the country. We are not taking this for granted. I don't care what the polls say, Roland. I don't care how many points they say Biden and Harris are ahead. We cannot be bamboozled. We cannot be fooled by that. We don't want to be subject to the Hillary syndrome, taking this for granted. Everybody got to get in this game. Judges are on the line. Your freedom is on the line. Your right to choose is on the line. Your respect is on the line. The Supreme Court definitely is on the line. That's why they're trying to jam this woman on the court right now. And police reform is on the line. Our very lives are on the line. And I don't know about you, Roland, but I ain't going back to the plantation, brother. Uh, I've made up my mind. Uh, you know, before I be a slave, I'd be buried in my grave and going home to my Lord and be free. I'm not going back. I'm not going to accept second, third class citizenship. We fought too long, too hard, too deep, too much for us to turn back now. That's why it's important to get busy, get on it, and then not turn back. Um, one of the things I do want to talk about, and again, this is part of the deal there, I've been looking at polling data, how tight the U.S. Senate race uh, is there yes. uh, in um, in uh, Michigan. And, 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 and here, but here's what I find to be interesting. So uh, John James, uh, who comes from a prominent uh, family there uh, in uh, Michigan, mom and dad are Democrats, 
Go to the go to page, please. Uh, this is his um, website. I guess John James doesn't want anybody to know that he's a black Republican. If you go on his website, he has Republican nowhere on the website. I understand that his uh, commercials and billboards in Michigan, he doesn't even mention he's a, he's a Republican, and that he also, this is the same person who previously said that he supports Donald Trump 2,000%. Is John James playing the okey-doke against black folks <laughs> in Michigan? What's happening in your state? Well, I think he's really trying to manifest Ralph Allison's uh, invisible man, but from a different perspective. We know who he is, and we know who he ain't. And he is not for African-Americans to the degree that we need to have policies and programs that are structured to improve our quality of life. This cat has not done anything in Michigan or in Detroit that would elevate him to the position of senator. He has not been a black club captain. He's not been a precinct captain. He's not been a state rep or state senator. He's not been a congressperson. He ain't been a preacher or a teacher. He's been an Air Force helicopter pilot. And he's been blessed by family. That has been blessed by virtue of them getting opportunities that groups like the NAACP and the Urban League and others have pushed for to make black economic development some sort of equity in our nation, in our city, in our state. So he's been blessed like that. And the fact that he wants to end our health care, the fact that he wants to support Donald Trump 2,000%, not 200%, not 100%, he said 2,000%. And the only reason he's not showing up with Trump now because he's reading the tea leaves and it might not be in his advantage to hold on to the coattails of Donald Trump. But the reality is we cannot hold on to his coattails because he is not in the interest of our community. He's antithetical to what you and me and everybody in our community would need. He does not support the George Floyd justice bill. He does not support reform. He does not support the Supreme Court uh, jurists being held over until after the election and the next president is selected, even though they did the dirt on uh, Eric, uh, Mary Garland. He does not support what we support, uh, Roland. You know the slang. Even though you might be the same skin, that don't make you my kin. Somebody said the other day that this was a historic election with this first African-American potentially to be a senator from the state of Michigan. Well, uh, Clarence Thomas was somewhat historic, uh, but his, his election or selection was horrific because his programs, his voting record has been devastating to our community. We already got a senator by the name of Tom Scott or Tim Scott uh, down south from South Carolina. Look at his voting record. We don't need another Tim Scott. We need another Thurgood Marshall on the court, and we need another Kamala Harris in the Senate and Cory Booker. We don't need a John James, and that's not the NAACP talking because we don't endorse nobody. But you asked Reverend Wendell Anthony what he thought Roland Martin. So that's Reverend Wendell Anthony talking relative to what we need to have going forward in the state of Michigan. Um, this is, of course, uh, again, when you start looking at 
uh, how this how these races are going. I saw some polling showing that 17 percent of black men in Michigan are supporting James. Um, what is again, as somebody who's there, what is Senator Gary Peters doing? Uh, to reach core voters, uh, to get black support. What, what, is, what is his agenda for black folks in Michigan? Well, I think that obviously he has to increase it. 17% is not a lot, but it's too high. There should not be 17% of us uh, doing what we see relative to that poll. But I think black people, as you know, Roland, we who have not had the privilege of having so too many representatives at the highest levels of office in this nation, we gravitate towards blackness. And what we think, just because this person comes out of our community, it might be in our interest. But we know that's not always the case. The bottom line is this. Gary Peters supports health care, the Affordable Care Act. He wants to keep your children on to your health care program through the age 26. The other people want to take them back to age 18. Gary Peters supports pre-existing conditions as the condition to determine whether or not you are qualified or still to be eligible for health care. The other people are in court right now to try to disconnect and take that away. Gary Peters supports the George Floyd Justice Act that is put forward by the Congressional Black Caucus and the Congress. The other people do not. Gary Peters wants the Supreme Court jurist to wait until after the election of the president, the other person does not. Gary Peters wants to make sure that we have testing, that we have tracing, and that we deal with the, this resolution of this situation that has caused 217,000 people to die and to wear masks and to make sure that you are observing physical distancing and all scientific protocols. The other people do not. They are led by a person who does not want to wear a mask, who thinks it is a hoax, who does not pay the science, who wants you to drink Clorox and bleach, who does not think uh, that he uh, is spreading this virus with a super virus running around the country. And so when you look at the record, look at the policies, you have one person over here that is working in your interest. And you have another person over here that don't give a darn about you and your interests. So it's really clear what you're going to do when the vote comes to you. Reverend Wendell Anthony uh, from Detroit. I certainly appreciate it, sir. Thank you so very much. I'm actually looking at uh, putting right. together. Huh? <laughs> Say it again. We finished already. Hold on. Say it again. <laughs> they talking. To... I said we finished already. Yeah, we, we, you, we finished? Yeah, yeah, you use all your time talking. I only got to ask two questions. Uh, I'm, I'm actually working on, guys, I got it, I got it. Uh, I'm working, actually working on putting together uh, something I, I'm trying to get to, uh, to do a broadcast uh, there in uh, Detroit. Uh, I reached, uh, I actually um, reached out to uh, the Peters folks, want to be able to uh, interview oh. him, talk about some policy okay. issues. And so I uh, would love to, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll hit you back on that. That's, that's what I called you yesterday, looking to put that thing together. Because uh, I'm trying to uh, do something in Mississippi, Mississippi, Atlanta, and also South Carolina. All right, bring that ascot when you come. No, of course, I, I'll, I'll do that. You have, you have the gators to go with it. <laughs> you know I do. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. Reverend Andy, thanks so much. I appreciate it.
All right. Thanks, brother. Uh, all, all right. right. Let's go to, I'm going back to my panel. I got three black men on the panel today. I want to talk about this specifically. I, I, again, I see this polling data uh, showing uh, 17% uh, for James, black men in uh, Michigan. Uh, I saw some data showing 14% for Tom Tillis in North Carolina. Um, also, uh, today, uh, folks, if y'all have that tweet, pull this tweet up. The uh, black Republicans who are supporting Trump, ooh, they real excited and happy, putting out tweets saying that, essentially implying that Ice Cube uh, is, is endorsing, is endorsing uh, Trump's platinum plan. Go ahead and show this here. So Deontay Johnson, this is what he put out. So Ice Cube has officially given the Trump campaign permission to reveal that he has been helping us develop President Trump's groundbreaking black Trump platform, the Platinum Plan. Leaders gonna lead, haters gonna hate, thank you for leading. And he's quoting uh, Katrina Pearson, who just one of the dumbest folks I've ever seen in my life. Uh, this is what she tweeted. Uh, shout out to Ice Cube for his willingness to step up and work with real Donald Trump administration to help develop the platinum plan. Uh, and then, of course, it says, in case you missed it. Now, uh, folks, do y'all have the Ice Cube tweet? Okay, go ahead and uh, pull that up, please. Uh, this is what Ice Cube then put out. Facts, I put out the CWBA, which means Contract with Black America. Both parties contacted me. Dem said we'll address the CWBA after the election. Trump campaign made some adjustments to their plan after talking to us about the CWBA. Uh, he's getting lots of pushback, lots of criticism from black folks uh, on social media, Robert. Uh, your, thoughts, uh, on, your thoughts on this, um, uh, you know, on, on this here, I had Ice Cube on the show talking about his contract with Black America, but also I went through line by line that platinum plan is more like the aluminum foil plan. Well, look, this is the thing. I, I, I actually am very glad that Ice Cube did this. I'm glad that people like him and Puff Daddy and um, and Killer Mike have been preaching this uh, ideology and thought pattern that we do need to be approaching both parties. Uh, there is no benefit of us being uh, wed to one party without uh, without demanding that we have tangibles and deliverables from both sides. So if, uh, if you talk to the Biden campaign and they said that they'll address it after the uh, election and you talk to the Trump campaign and they say we'll address it now, then by all means, do exactly that. We we do not have any eternal friends, no eternal enemies, only eternal interests. And if you look back through periods of time when African Americans advanced the most, it was periods of time when both parties were competing for our vote. So it takes uh, it takes someone like an ice cube with his credibility uh, in the community to even be able to uh, broach this plan. But I think it is important for us to make sure that we are on both sides of the aisle and working on both sides of the table, because we can not simply depend on one group with no competition uh, to stand up for us. And, and look, uh, Vice President Biden waited too long to address black men in this country. He's just now launching the barbershop series in the last couple of weeks. No, no, um, no, 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 no. That's that's actually it's factually incorrect. Uh, this uh, is uh, this is, I think, the fifth week of the barbershop series. We've actually uh, restreamed multiple multiple conversations. So it did not launch in the last two weeks. It actually launched about five weeks ago. I said last few weeks, but to, to that point, 
we've been running for president for two years now. So we have to understand that if you're not going to actively campaign to the black men in this country, the Trump campaign has worked to campaign to black men in this country, then you can't be surprised when we're seeing uh, 14, 15, 17 points for Republicans around uh, around the nation. And I think that the most important thing is that regardless of who the president is, that we hold them accountable, whether it's the Biden Lift Every Voice plan or the Trump Platinum plan or the aluminum plan or whatever you want to call it, whatever the plan is, let's make sure we get those things done. Uh, but here's the deal, though, and Michael is real simple. I went through this, again, so-called platinum plan. It's a joke. The, re the reality is this here. Donald Trump has in there make Juneteenth a national holiday. That could have took it. That could have taken place this month. Yet Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson was a lone person to block uh, that from actually happening. T Trump talked about making the anti-lynching bill federal law. That was blocked by Senator Rand Paul. Not one time did Donald Trump tweet or say a word about either one of those holidays. In there, Trump talked about, oh, great health care. Donald Trump has been, has been promising he has a health care plan before he, before he ran for office. Here we are in October 2020, still have not seen a health care plan. Also, they keep touting this $500 billion. That's not $500 billion going to black businesses. That's $500 billion for the entire infrastructure program. That's not what it is. It's a BS plan. It's a joke. And so, uh, I, I don't, and I don't know what they pulled from Ice T's, uh, excuse me, Ice Cube's uh, contract with Black America because uh, I, I, I looked at both. I don't see any of it in their plan. And you're, you're probably you're probably not going to, but I'm, I'm just so much largely disappointed. Um, with Ice Cube's stance on this to get used. Now, if he's getting used, that's one thing. And maybe he wasn't aware, not politically savvy enough. Okay, so we may be giving benefit of the doubt. But if he was contacted by both parties, one party said, uh, one organization said, you know what, let's just wait till after November 3rd. Let's more focus on getting folks out to the polls. We know how important this election is. You know where my, my heart is. Clearly, you see where my heart is. You see who I picked as my vice presidential nominee. So let's walk down that path. On the other hand, if he said, you know what, because they don't want, they want to wait till November 3rd, I'm going to be with this guy, the guy that basically said, your ancestors are from shithole countries, the same guy that said, you know what, my father and I are going to rent to people that look like you when we own particular buildings, or the Central Park Five. We can run down a list, a litany of issues related to how racist this president is and how he supports white supremacy. Why would you want to either be used, unbeknownst to you possibly, or step up and say, I'm going to help him because he wanted to move before November 3rd? Either way, it's disappointing, and I hope he does get a lot of pushback. I'm not mad at him at all for his involvement. I'm glad that people in the entertainment world and sports are getting involved in understanding politics and, and wanting to make a difference. However who you're making a difference with. And if you're standing with 45, you're standing with the wrong folks. The thing that uh, jumps out at me here, uh, Scott, um, uh, on, on all of this, uh, is that I absolutely agree folks should compete for your vote. I also am not delusional uh, when it comes to what they are doing. Uh, to me, you have to look at the totality of an individual to say exactly what are they doing. So... The Trump folks talk about he constantly Trump keeps touting uh, the First Step Act. Now, uh, I think the Democratic Party 
uh, has been grossly negligent in stating, well, if it wasn't for us, there would be no First Step Act. If it doesn't pass the House, there's no bill. If it's not improved in the Senate, it doesn't even get passed. And they basically let Trump run around saying they've done nothing on criminal justice reform and it only got done because of him. And that's simply a lie. But also, I think that, uh, again, you must make folks uh, address an agenda, but you also got to be honest about it being real. Again, I went through line by line that platinum plan. All the stuff Trump talked about, Trump could have done the last three and a half years. He didn't. So please, by all means, explain to me how you're all of a sudden going to do something for black people in a second term that you did not bother to do in a first term. But you're absolutely right about that. And but you see, this is the confusion of the black man or some black men, if you will, that somehow that you think you can create leverage by releasing this information to both parties. You have to have two parties. There's only one party in the United States right now. That's the Democratic Party, like it or not. You may want someone to chase your vote. So what's the GOP? It's the party of Trump. It's a party of political gangsterism. It's a party that attacks our institutions, undermines our democracy, fails at us on our international diplomacy supports Putin, and despite our scientists, or despite our CIA. And so there's not a second party. That's a cult over there. And to think that somehow that they you equate them into two parties and that, that whoever gets to you first, you can release this and stand as a black man as if the GOP is a party that you can stand with equally on principle, despite your wealth and despite um, your success in this country, despite your activism for the communities of color, just, is, just falls flat. It is complete nonsense. And so if you want to compete and you want leverage, then have those two parties and have that healthy debate. That's not a party. And notice that I didn't say anything about racism. I'm talking about their attack and undermining this country and democracy. And so I think it's a failed opportunity. I'm not impressed with him releasing this to the GOP. He thinks that's leverage, right? That's dumb. It's just pure nonsense. Um, again, so here's the deal. Factually, Ice Cube, Robert, did not endorse Donald Trump, uh, didn't say anything along those lines. Uh, he simply said, and he said this when he came on the show, he has a, he has a contract with Black America that he wants all political leaders uh, to look at and get behind. Absolutely. And to that point about uh, what Donald Trump has done in the first three years of his administration, uh, you can make the exact same argument for Biden, that well, uh, he has his lift every voice plan, but where was that during the eight years of Obama? Where was that in the other 47 years that he was uh, in the Senate? When was he this tireless advocate for the community? I do think that Ice Cube is correct in not endorsing, staying neutral, having one singular message, which is that I have a contract for, with black America. So hold up. Are you, so, are you, so, are you, so are you saying that uh, Obama Biden, Obama Biden did not have any anything, any plan or did anything for black people. No, that's not what I'm saying. What okay, I'm no, no, saying no, 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 but you, but, no, but, but, but you said, you said, where was this in the eight years when he was vice president to Obama? Well, he was the vice president to Obama. Obama called all the shots. If you're the number two, you're not the number one. 
but to your point about whether or not why didn't Trump do this in his first term, then you can ask very similar questions. But the important point has to be that as African Americans, we have to have some fundamental things that we hold dear to us that we're not team players on. That this is individually and specifically for our community. That regardless of who wins and who loses, who lives, who dies, who tells your story, that these are the things that are non-negotiable that we um, that we want done. And just as Ice Cube said, he did not endorse Trump. The Biden campaign could answer the uh, could meet well and answer the questions and put out their plan for the contract uh, or their opinions regarding the contract with black America tomorrow. And it'll be a moot point. We have to have both parties competing equally with us. And if the Trump campaign did it first, they should get credit for doing it first. But, but here's, no, here's the deal. Oh, One second. But here's the deal, though. Are they actually competing equally? Exactly. I mean, are, no, seriously, are they? Are they actually competing equally? I mean, look, if, 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 I, walk, if, if, if I walk through this, uh, Donald Trump and his people have made no effort to talk to black America at all. The folks who they've talked to have been black conservative activists. They've done, I, I don't recall Donald Trump sitting down other than Harris Faulkner, who's on Fox News. I don't know any black journalists who he has sat down with. I don't know who they've actually talked to. When they released their platinum plan, Michael, I reached out to two mm -hmm. campaign officials saying, y'all releasing it? Who's available? Come on. No response whatsoever. Uh, you go, you go, you go through this whole deal, and you say, okay, we can walk through this. They tout, they tout the first step act, but this is the same guy who said we are not going to have police consent decrees. This is the same guy who loves and embraces law enforcement and then goes to Kenosha, Wisconsin, doesn't meet with Jacob Blake's family, doesn't meet with the community. He literally has a law enforcement roundtable. So. Again, that's on that particular issue. Uh, we can then talk about economics. All right, I'm okay, we, if we really want to go there, how many black businesses have we lost due to coronavirus? But even before that, they touted all of these uh, black, black businesses being started. When there were 1.9 million black-owned businesses, folks, five years ago, those businesses were doing an average revenue of $110,000. When we got 2.6 million black-owned businesses, which meant 700,000 more, they were doing an average revenue of 54,000. When mm. we had 1.9 million black-owned businesses, 1.8 million only had one employee, sole proprietorship. When we had 2.6 million black-owned businesses, 2.5 million only had one employee. So the reality mm. is the capacity, Michael, didn't increase. Okay, the revenue didn't increase. None of that increased. So when the Trump folks say, oh, we did all of this, no, you didn't. So I'm just mm. stating, and not only that, please show me the Trump federal uh, housing plan. No, I haven't seen it. All I know is him telling white women, we ain't going to have low-income housing in your suburban neighborhoods. And so... We're going to save and you. And so, again, I'm just walking through. And so it's the piece is, I judge a person in power differently than I do somebody who's trying to get in power. And so when I look at the plan, that's why I call it the aluminum foil plan. Michael, go ahead. And he, and frankly, he is a, he's a pro at trying to manipulate and use, and use he's done a good job at it. And what he does is, and then he hopes that people obviously are watching the news or TV or online, and that they see, oh my goodness, look what 45 has done. He released a, per, a black person from prison. Oh my goodness. 
He did this with Ice Cube. And so he hopes, because he doesn't really care, because if you really want to look at the 150-some-odd, I forget what it is, Roland and Scott, 150-some-odd federal judges he's appointed. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. He's appointed a total of 218. Oh, 218. Mm. 200, black. 218, one black. Uh, so you, so you got you you to break down. Was he breathing? You, you got to break down. Remember, your district judges, <laughs> your appellate judges, your circuit judges, three different levels there. Uh, and so, again, I think out of the 218, one African-American. Which is a disgrace. And so because of that, he's going to try to highlight other things where he thinks that, oh, my goodness, the black community is going to love me for this. But I really don't care about the black community. I just want to say that I do. And that, that some, I hate to say it, some folks think, oh, my goodness, he really does care. Um, and he doesn't, just like some of the folks that in, from his so-called base. He said whatever to them, and the same thing occurs. Oh, my goodness, he loves us. He doesn't care about you. Right. He just wants to try to get you either to vote for him or not vote for him. Either so, way, so, he takes it as a vote for him, and that's how he tries to use his strategies. So, Michael and Roland, he does this is another thing he does. So he'll do the platinum plan. He will do, he will uh he'll release the woman from prison. And then on the other hand, he'll talk about asshole countries and and um and Barack Obama not living here. And uh he'll he'll tweet out white power and then they take it down. And then what his people will do to defend him when it comes to African Americans on an urban agenda that he didn't have, he'll say, yeah, but he did criminal justice reform that wasn't his bill, and he did the platinum plan, and he and Ice Cube are partnered on the contract with Black America. So he gives them talk, he gives his defenders talking points to argue, but they don't argue in regard to all the negatives. So you may have 10 or 15 negative points or acts by this administration that hurt Black people. You'll have three things that he alleges that he did for Black people and say Black people loving and that he has enough for talking points, but it's a false reality. It's not a political reality. It's a fallacy. And that, that's probably why you have some black people, 10% or more black men, who only read in part of the story, not the whole story, and then they go in and say, I'm going to vote for him because I lost my job to an illegal immigrant. Or, or they ignore all the other things that he's doing to destroy this country as a super spreader of COVID, for example. One out of every thousand black people have COVID, and he treats it like it's a hoax and what have you. And those issues ought to matter to all of us, not just black people, but look at it. Forty percent of America supports this nonsense. And so that's why the race for Biden to get elected and Harris to get elected is so vitally important. Not just the black people, most importantly the black people, but for all Americans, it just—it's just complete bullshit. Well, I—I I, I do think though that the responsibility though is also on the other party to also define themselves, and that is if you well, are. Well, that's true. No, 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 no way. I'm not done. No, 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 no. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. No, no, no. Excuse me. I'm not getting lost in anything. What I'm saying is this here. Okay. That was a nine-point gap between black men and black women for Obama-Romney in 2012. That was eight years ago. That was a 13-point gap between Clinton and Trump in 2016, four years ago. 
Now, if mm -hmm. Democrats were so damn clueless and not paying attention to what happened eight years ago and then what happened four years ago, then all of a sudden in 2020, you're now going, oh, what do we do? That's on you because that's you not paying attention. It's not like there were not people like me and others who were sounding the alarm. And this issue has nothing to do, and let me be real clear, I, got, I had these black women out there who were saying, oh, it's all because of misogyny. No, it's not. It was a nine-point gap between two men in 2012. Was there misogyny involved with Hillary Clinton? Absolutely. Is that the sole reason? No, it's not. Is Kamala Harris the sole reason in 2020? No, it's not. What I'm saying is, if you are going to be a party and you see there's a problem, then you want to create the kinds of uh, messages that to, to actually counter the narrative that you aren't doing anything. Which means the You're onus is on. Right. I'm, well, we no, I'm not. Right no, no, hell no. We got no, no, no. We, no, we no, no. What you're doing right there is making the same damn mistake that Short black. Term. No, no, no. No, 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 no. What you know, no. This is the lame. No, 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 Scott. This is what happens. No, Scott. Here's what happens. This is a mistake. This is a mistake. Whenever somebody don't want to deal with the problem at hand, they use the phrase, we got bigger issues. What I'm we saying- We got 20 no. days. We can't deal with that. No, no, late. you lying. You lying. I had Terrence, Scott, late. I had Terrence- No, Scott, 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 listen. This is the piece that you're, again, missing. Stop going for, we got bigger problems. I just laid out to you, your bigger problem is this here. If you don't address it, you might lose the Michigan Senate seat and may not control the damn Senate. So guess what? You might want to address this. Cal Cunningham may not win North Carolina. Their strategy, they need for pick up a four. Doug Jones, here's the deal. They know Jones is going to lose in Alabama. He's down 12, a Tommy Tuberville, who's an idiot. Guess what? If you lose Peters, now you got to pick up five. So what I'm arguing to you is, and what I'm saying is, what is the issue here? is not Biden-Harris. What the issue is, there is a belief among a percentage of black men, and let's mm -hmm. be clear, the majority of black men, a supermajority, are voting for Biden-Harris. But if you see there's 15 to 20% who don't think you're addressing their issues, who, who don't think you're speaking to them, you cannot write the 20% off. What you better do is appeal to them because if you don't in 2020, it might be 25% in 2024. Oh, and so you, God. I'm, okay, dude, oh. you can sit here. You can I don't sit, disagree with you. So, I, and, 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 so, and, so, and what, I, so what I'm saying is, I, don't use the phrase, we got bigger problems. No, your big problem is you keep saying we got to take Trump out. You take Trump Fair out enough. by going after every single vote. That's why I'm saying, but Democrats have been burying their heads in the sand. Mm -hmm. And overall, overall, let me be clear, what they have been doing is, again, you make it easy for your opponent when you, first of all, let them control the narrative. Two, when you also, on your end, don't actually deliver what you said you were going to deliver. And more importantly, you don't listen to the black people who've been trying to tell you because you keep only talking to white political consultants. <laughs> and when you have a changing, when you have a changing demographic, Michael, yeah. when you have a changing demographic, 
you might want to listen to the people who got their ears to the ground as opposed to those who got their heads stuck in these iPads and all they're looking at is the data. No, you better listen to the ground. I agree with you, but you didn't have to yell at me. Well, you shouldn't <laughs> but, don't, don't use any nonsense. <laughs> you see, you ain't got to yell. Don't use any nonsense. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Roland, the truth no is nonsense, this is an brother. issue that for Democrats is a very easy solution. Uh, if, you, if, the, if you have an issue with the fact that Ice Cube met with the Trump campaign, then just tweet out today, we're going to meet with Ice Cube tomorrow, and we fully accept and sign on to the contract of Black America. You can get that done in the next 30 seconds. It's not, it shouldn't be that difficult. Even right now, we still have had an issue with trying to get Joe Biden and Kamala Harris on Black radio around the country, to sit down with Black newspapers around the country, to do Black media around the country. So you cannot not sign on to the contract with Black America and say we're going to do it after the campaign, not be on Black media. You know, it's one thing to sit down with Cardi B and Lizzo, but to sit down with black journalists around the country uh, on a consistent basis and have an opportunity to talk to local media, have a direct plan for uh, for black men that is not uh, wrapped around, uh, I think they did a commercial of a freestyle battle between some MCs. Like, no, get, talk to me the exact same way you talk to anyone else on policy issues. So when you don't do those things, you don't put that footwork in, and now we're 20 days from the election, you can't be mad at the result that you get because you've had two years to prepare for this. Michael, look, you've been on the DNC Finance Committee, and and, and I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, um, this is you know this is not new to Democrats. They can't act like, whoa, what happened here? Tom Perez has known this since 2016. You know, it's interesting. Every time we have um, this kind of conversation, essentially can happen. Obviously, on November 4th depending on what the results are. Um, but the campaign is doing the heavy outreach to every single constituency group that you can imagine. It doesn't mean, keep in mind, just because you do reach out to a particular constituency group doesn't mean you're going to win them. It means you can do better. means you can chip away. What you want to do is obviously have as big a tent as possible. Has the campaign, has the DNC um, for years maybe not done as well as they should have with particular segments of particular constituency groups, absolutely. But 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 um, Michael, Michael, but Michael, where <laughs> Michael, Michael, where where are the assets? Mm -hmm. where, where, where's the collateral? And what I'm talking about well, is what I'm talking about is what I'm saying is where are the viral videos? Where are the graphics? Where are the things that you can drop on Instagram? You can drop on Twitter. You can drop on Facebook. The information that first look here's the deal. Okay, this is real simple. You don't tell somebody go to JoeBiden.com. Okay? When you hear the phrase low information voters or you hear disaffected voters, that's people, a disaffected voter means somebody who ain't watching cable news. Who's, they're not watching broadcast news. They're not, they're not immersed in this. They're not necessarily even watching this show. What I'm arguing is you've got to create the messaging, the simple messaging where Republicans are genius. And I have said this my entire life. Republicans are genius at bumper sticks, sticker slogans. They are geniuses at simple... So the reason the Lincoln Project... I mean, this is a perfect example. I saw some, some Democrat complaining, calling the Lincoln Project grifters. I said, dude, versus you complaining about them, you should be studying them. They understand messaging. I've always said this. Republicans know how to message short, clear, concise. Democrats want to give you a white paper. 
a thesis. <clears throat> they want to give you five paragraphs where the Republican gave you a bumper sticker. And so what I'm simply saying, and I'm not saying, I, let me be real clear, I'm not saying that black men can't understand deep, complex issues. What I am saying is not even just for black men. There were 91 million people who did not vote in 2016. 75 million poor people in the nation, mostly in the South, who did not vote. What I'm saying is, and Reverend Barber's been talking about this as well, if you also go hard at them, man, that flips the election, and you talk about a landslide? That changes the game. Go ahead. And those assets you're talking about, and you're exactly right, and the party hasn't done as well as it should have, leading up to GOTV, get out the vote. That's when you'll see the assets. And I don't think the assets should just be used during GOTV. Precisely. You should be engaging people all the way through. They should so they should have been on this after 16. It should have been a clearly defined, funded, targeted program. So when you then saw it... Then GOTV is much easier. Right. Now see the, these assets come out at the end saying we need to get folks to the polls rather than engaging with them for the last two years. You're exactly right. That's all I'm saying. But what if they didn't have the money during those four years because they lost that's the election? What is, where does that money come from? Because that's well, the response you well, get no, from Perez no, and his team. No, hold on. No, hold on. I, I, I give you your answer. What you do mm -hmm. is, what you do is, you pull the data out and then you go to key funders and donors and you say, look, if we don't fix this problem, we're going to have a bigger problem come 2020. Later. And so yeah. we're looking to create a $3 million, $5 million a year program specifically targeting this group so we know. And here's the deal. Let's be real clear, Scott. The Trump campaign said this. Mm -hmm. The White House yeah. said this in 2018. Mm -hmm. We think we can get 20% of black men. So it ain't like you didn't know what your opponent was trying to do. <laughs> right. They said, right. this the play right. we running. Now mm -hmm. you shot with running the play. I, I'm telling you, Robert, you absolutely right. If you listen to the ground, hey, p common sense is common sense. You can say Ice Cube, and let me re I'm just say this here. Folk can say, Ice Cube don't mean nothing. You ain't got to meet with Ice Cube. Numbers are numbers. A meeting is a meeting. Look, it's politics. You know what you got to do. And you don't give your opponent an upper hand with a demo that you're already weak in. Robert, go ahead. And to just on Scott's point of maybe they were out of money, and for every person who's ever run a campaign, a Democratic campaign in this country, particularly a black Democratic campaign, that is always their answer. That, oh, no, we had enough money for outreach to the LGBTQIAPK plus community. We had enough money mm -hmm. for outreach to the Jewish community. We had enough money for outreach to the <laughs> Asian community. We had enough money for outreach to suburban white house, uh, housewives who drive a station wagon and have 2.5 children. We had enough money for outreach to black women. But, oh, no, we just Dang it. Catch me next week. I'm, I just ran out of money. I'll be back the next time. No, for real, on the 4th. <laughs> I'm going to pay you back on the 4th. Even if you're out of money, what is stopping Joe Biden from being on Rolling Show tomorrow? 
I don't care how much money you out of. He can get on his phone and be on the show tomorrow. So, What's stopping him from being on uh, my show on, on Sunday or so, uh, so, Santita uh, Jackson show? Because they don't have the will to do it. Just like in relationships, people make um, make uh, a priority when something is a priority. So let me ask not mm-hmm. making a priority out of you. That, does, that just means they're okay. not. So, 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 wait, so, wait, 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 hold up. I'm going to answer it. And so, okay. and so here's the deal. So I, I, I'm going to move away from the Biden campaign. I'm going to move away from the DNC because you, you asked the question, how do you make them? And now I'm going to talk about internally among black men. Now, I would love to get all y'all thoughts on this. And this is real simple. Black women meet. Black women organize. Black women mobilize. Three of you are politically connected black men. Do y'all know of any entity out there that's actually bringing these black men together? It's a group of black women, damn near a thousand. Dog, they do a conference call every Sunday night. Are y'all aware of anything like that with black men? So that's black men organizing themselves. Anybody? Well, the, yeah, certainly. Neil Robinson the Boulet. Black does no, that no, on no, 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 no. See, right Cap there. No, no, no. See, Scott. No, no, Scott. Scott. Even no, the local chapters no, no, do Scott. No, no, no. That is so Scott, true. You didn't I, listen. I participated Scott, in you, it. Scott, what do you mean? Scott, no, no, Scott. No. You didn't listen to what I said. I did. I did. No, Scott. You I didn't. listen critically. No, you I'm trained to listen to you. Especially whether you scream at me or not. I listened to you. No, no, Scott. You said this group, this group, this group. That's insular. What I'm talking about among the black women, it don't matter your affiliation. There's an entity, whether you are AKA or not, whether you are Delta or not, whether you Lynx or not, you ain't got tied to nothing, whether you HBCU or not. And what I'm saying is that also is part of the deal because if you do not have an organized and mobilized group to make the demands, then you can't make the demands. Robert, I, I think that's a small distinction you're making. Oh, no, you it's asked a huge, about, do you know it's a no, huge distinction. black men who get together? It's a huge distinction. No, that's not and what I, I no, no, no. That. no, 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 no. That's not what I said. I know individual organizations, because I'm in several. I'm exactly. Spe- I'm speaking of, I am speaking of... An, Just independent uh, no, men. An organized entity comprised of black men from multiple different backgrounds that are specifically mobilized and organized to raise money, Talk about strategy and policy on these issues. Robert, you about to say something. Go ahead. Uh, well, I, I think... And let me think about it, Robert. Robert. Yeah, you, go, you, yeah you need to think <laughs> about it. Go ahead, Robert. <laughs> That we, uh, I think we understand that there is a thirst for uh, for a backing infrastructure of of that uh, of that nature, but you have to have the funding behind it. Behind no, you don't. Those, uh, those groups. Be- Robert, no, no, Robert, no, Robert, Robert, yeah, the those, funding those, behind those it. Those thousand women don't have funding. Robert, those black it. women don't have. They ain't got no Robert, funding. that's self-funded. No, no, no. Yeah. These are black women. I'm telling you, dude. Every Look. Sunday night, they own a call. These black women got the, it was like, yo, we got to do this thing, the election, we gonna meet, bruh. They from all different backgrounds. It ain't, they didn't go out and go raise a million dollars and now we gonna meet. They said, we gonna meet, and the hell, we gonna raise money ourselves. 
They literally are meeting, mobilizing, talking strategy, having campaign people on the call, raising money. All I'm saying is, are the three of y'all aware of anything like that that's not insular in terms of, of an organization, but that's broad, that's specifically about black men? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, Mondale Robinson's got the Black Male Voter Project, uh, which is uh, trying to achieve that uh, goal. So I had you can't Ma say that. No disrespect. What's wrong with that? No disrespect. I had Mondale on this show discussing that very thing. I ain't heard from them since. Uh, well, they're still out there working. So we okay. need to be getting in okay. there and supporting them in the next 20 days. So okay. it's not as if the organizations don't exist. We just simply have to make sure that all groups are on, this, on the same page. Uh, look, all I'm saying is this here. I, look, I got nothing against Mondale, but here's my whole point. Okay, Michael, I had them on. I have not received a, sing a single thing from that initiative since I had them on. I got respect for them. I don't know what they're doing. I'm just simply saying, where you at? So, Michael, do what I'm describing, Michael, that black women are doing right now, do you know of anything like that the black men are doing? Not as sophisticated as you just articulated, no. Scott. Somebody, um, somebody that is listening, send me a text right now. Or, the answer is no. So basically, Michael was the only one who asked the question by saying, no, nah, hell no, I don't know. It exists. Because you're too narrow in your description. Matter of fact, I'm the not narrow. The fraternities and the actually, boulets actually, and actually, other organized groups actually, are doing that at local actually, and that, and that's, that's just your scenario Scott, that's that's where you you're missing it. Say, we don't and know. Scott, that's where you're missing it. You say that's I'm it. narrow. Actually, what I describe is broad. Okay, here's the deal. Can a man who's not a Kappa participate in the Kappa conversations? Yes, as well as the Boulay. They can participate. Yes, they can participate. How do they even know y'all meeting? Because we, we give them notice and stuff. They're Scott, on the email track for Scott, political action. Scott, we don't keep Scott, people out of those Scott, conversations. Scott, I'm not talking about meetings. This is I'm why, talking about conversations. Scott, this is why the phrase you're, was created. Your scenario is Scott, whack. This is why your, your scenario is whack. Really? Let's move on to another okay, subject. Okay, now hold on. When, so when was y'all last... I'd like to move no, no, on no. to another when subject. When was the last public Kappa conversation about black men in politics? When was it? You just said it wasn't a Kappa conversation okay, because there were non-Kappas involved. Okay, when was the last... I'm on a text link that has thousands of people talking politics. They're not all Kappas. They're not all from Morehouse. Oh, what all, about Morehouse all, men who do that? Are, are, I can tell you right oh, now, oh, the wait, Alumni wait, Association wait, does that. Right. And, and again, though, no, you're describing individual entities. What I'm saying is... Labels don't matter. Do, it's the uh, level of participation so here, okay, so that is the issue so, of your so thousand-person so so woman. So your thousand-woman conference So you poll. said there are thousands of men on this text thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. So are these talking politics? So wait, wait, talking wait, about wait, what wait, they're wait, doing wait, in their wait, local community? Hold on, wait, wait. So are are these thousand plus uh, black men? Are they black men? I, are they, no, no. Wait, wait. Are they mobilized <laughs> and organized? And are, and are they directly dealing with the Biden Harris campaign? I, I now, now you're adding facts. I don't know about now all that. I'm what facts. I'm saying wow. is those conversations now are taking adding, place. See right here. Let's see, move on, please. No, no, no. Let's First move of all, on. Ain't your show. Oh, here we go. But, now, that is the, the most selfish statement you Robert, make to me. Robert, Robert, and you Robert, don't make Robert, it to anybody Robert, else. Robert, here's Why the deal. don't you make Robert, that to here's the deal. Scott doesn't want to deal with the overarching point I'm saying. And what I am describing is the exact... I get it. Is the exact, Robert, this is the exact thing, same thing I said to Ice Cube, which was the exact same thing I said to Diddy. And that is, when you are trying to achieve something... 
You have to have infrastructure or an organized entity whose job is to get that very thing. What it can't be is a loose federation of, well, that group and, and that group and then that group and then that group, because what you're not doing is you're not coming to power with power. You're coming as an individual. What I'm arguing, Robert, is when you take these black women, okay, who are meeting every Sunday, agenda, raising money, ha I mean, boom, every single week, that, that's, called that's called organized and mobilized. And what I am arguing is that if we want to see what we're discussing change for black men, black men and organizations are going to have to move outside of their walls and open it up to anyone and then to create that infrastructure to achieve what we're talking about. Otherwise, it ain't gonna get done. Robert, final comment. And I agree with you completely, but that, that's why I keep keying in on the point about funding. Because when you look at these fundraising totals, Joe Biden raising $352 million, how much of that money is being invested into organizations of that nature? Because you are depending on getting 90% of that vote. So you have every reason to be putting money into those initiatives. And if you're not putting your money where your mouth is, you're going to end up with these results. And you can't be mad at them. And what, I, and what I'm trying to get you to understand is that those black women are not okay. sitting there waiting for the party or a campaign to raise money and give to them. By them mobilizing and organizing, they're raising the money themselves. I gotta go. And Roller, let me, let me jump in real quick. 100 black men, black professional men, Inc. Do those qualify? I'm, they blow it up my text with, I, with, with organization. Can, or is, they, if it's an organization, you, you, you don't want to deal no, with No, no, you still are missing what I am saying. Those, I know. It, you, they're they, not they, connected they, by they, any and, and the point is, if they are not connected, then they are not then coming with a, with a group of people speaking as a collective. And if you speak as a collective, you're likely to actually get a response. Got to go to break. We come back more on Roller Martin Unfiltered in a moment. And there are a lot of people, they don't know if they can. They don't know what to do, how to do it, where to do it. They get, you know, all these documents and pamphlets in the mail, but they don't really understand how to dig through and, and figure it all out. So I think, you know, the solution, because I'm all about solutions, is figuring out a way to introduce, reintroduce that into the school system. And I think, you know, getting, getting people together who are like-minded, right? If you don't know exactly what's happening, I think the first thing is don't be ashamed of that. Don't be ashamed to say, I don't really know what that means. I don't know what that term means. I don't know what this politician stands for, even if everyone's talking about it. Hi, everybody. This is Jonathan Nelson. Hi, this is Cheryl Lee Ralph, and you are watching Roland Martin, unfiltered. I mean, could it be any other way? Really? It's Roland Martin. Mortal, not a god. The members of the General Assembly are mortals and not gods. The members of the Congress, they are mortals, not God. Bowing down is not an option. 
We will stand up again. We will march again. We will preach again. We will organize again. We are black. We are white. We are Latino. We are Native American. We are Democrat. We are Republican. We are independent. We are people of faith. We are people not of faith. We are natives and immigrants. We are business leaders and workers and unemployed. We are doctors and the uninsured. We are gay. We are straight. We are students. We are parents. We are retirees. We are North Carolina. We are America. And we are here. And we ain't going nowhere. That was my man, Reverend Dr. William J. Barber and the Poor People's Campaign. Please support uh, what they are doing. Two former students are suing a prestigious private school in Atlanta over sexual assault. Pace Academy did not protect the students who were sexually assaulted on campus by another student three years ago, according to a lawsuit. The assailant was later convicted for the assaults. The victims have filed lawsuits against the academy including the headmasters, deans, and counselors. Joining me now is Atlanta attorney Tricia C.K. Hoffler, president also. She's president of the National Bar Association. So, Tricia, tell us about this case here. Um, this, so so what, what really happened here at this uh, prestigious school? Well, first of all, it's so good to be on your show again, uh, Roland. But what happened basically is there were two students, and we have to call them Jane Doe's because they were underage at the time that it happened. They were um, Jane Doe one, um, who's my client. She had been at Pace Academy since the third grade. She was sexually violated by a student, a football player, not once, not twice, but three times. And the first time it happened, she tried to report it to a teacher who basically blew her off. The second time it happened, she just basically recoiled and didn't report it. And the third time it happened, she collapsed and was sobbing hysterically, called her mom, reported it to the teachers, and her mother called the police and an investigation ensued. From that, the assailant, um, they did a little investigation at the school and they brought him back on campus. Now, her mother took her out of the school, took her out of Pace Academy, even though she had been there for three, since third grade, even though she had been an ambassador of the school, even though she had been a great student, a great athlete, contributed a lot, and even though Pace was like her second home, when the school failed to protect her child and decided to bring the assailant back on campus and let him continue to play football and put profits before the children, her mother said, no, 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 no. She immediately took her child out put her in another school. And as you can well imagine, when behavior like that is unchecked, within six months, he sexually violated another student. And I represent both of those young ladies who are now in college um, in their lawsuit. And they're Jane Doe 1 and Jane Doe 2. So that's what happened. Um, how is the school responding? Well, they're, they're not taking responsibility. That's how they're responding. They're failing to take responsibility, failing to recognize. First of all, they didn't believe Jane Doe won. And they brought this student back into the place, actually to the detriment of all the students. And he did it again. So they didn't take responsibility. The board of directors, along with the administration and the management, made a decision to bring that student back, even though there, it was reported there was a police investigation. 
They made that decision. So they did not take responsibility. They did not care about the welfare of a child. And this is a private school, a very prestigious private school that is supposed to have a very, very secure, safe environment for the students. But they did everything the wrong way. Everything. They didn't protect her. They betrayed her. They turned their backs on her. And they, they took the side of the football player, who, by the way, had just started at the school. And that's why I said putting profits before the children, because as a football player, he brought some notoriety to the team and all of that. And so they just decided they were going to side with him. There was a criminal conviction. He was tried in juvenile court, and there was conviction for Jane Doe number one. And then he pled for Jane Doe number two. And the way that he pled was had him out to a conviction. So this is very, very, very serious. They didn't take them seriously. And by the way, these are two young black girls. Were police involved? Was law enforcement ever involved in this? Yes, law enforcement was involved. Um, the third assault that took place um, the young girl, when she collapsed and, and was crying hysterically, she called her mother. Her mother took matters into her own hands and called the police, and a police investigation took place. And all of that, the police investigation, all the evidence was a, that was assembled was presented in the criminal proceeding where he was convicted. Wow. Um, so uh, you filed a lawsuit in civil. Um, what is the uh, next step? The next step is, is just we're going to litigate the heck out of this case. The voices of these young girls must be heard. The school must take accountability, must take responsibility for not protecting these children. Because when those parents sent their daughters to that school every single day, when they supposedly have cameras everywhere, by the way, no cameras allegedly captured any of this, cameras everywhere, in this environment, they expected that their children would be protected. And they expected that if there's something happened to their child, a teacher wouldn't blow them off. And more importantly, when the child did report it and when there was police involved, they expected that the school would take appropriate measures, believe that child because there was enough evidence to support it. It should not have taken a full-blown criminal case to convict him for them to decide they're gonna take it seriously. So. Keeping this, this person who actually was tantamount to a sexual predator on that campus with other girls, with other students, so that he could, you know, violate some other student is simply inexcusable, unacceptable, and not the way that you would expect any school, public or private, to act when confronted with someone who did something wrong and violated another student's body. That is just not what's supposed to happen. They got to do better. They got to be accountable. And that's what this litigation is about, accountability. Mm. Trisha Hoffler, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much for letting us know about this. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank All you. Right, folks, the Supreme Court approved requests that allows the Trump administration to end the 2020 census early. The U.S. Census Bureau announced that it will keep accepting responses online at my2020census.gov through October 15th at midnight. The Bureau has also set October 15th as the postmark deadline for paper forms as well as the end date for collecting phone responses and door knocking at unresponsive households. For those people who don't think that uh, elections matter, they do. And so please, folks, uh, fill out that census. Now it's also happening, though, there are several members of Congress. Remember, Congress has the authority. Uh, to determine uh, how long the census goes. Uh, they are looking at a bipartisan bill to actually fix this issue. We'll see what happens with that. Brigham Young University, Idaho, warns about accounts of college students who are trying to contract 
COVID-19 in order to make money by donating plasma with antibodies. University officials previously cautioned last month that if there is a continued surge in coronavirus cases, the university may switch to fully online learning. Brigham Young University, Idaho, has 109 confirmed COVID-19 cases among students and 22 cases among employees. Speaking of coronavirus, the White House has been open to a group of doctors who are advocating for the herd immunity approach to the coronavirus pandemic. Scientists who are behind the proposed plan argue that if the virus spreads naturally among young people, healthy people while protecting vulnerable populations, herd immunity could be achieved. The plan has been signed by more than 447,000 citizens and more than 9,500 medical practitioners. However, it has been widely criticized by mainstream public health experts. The head of the World Health Organization called the herd immunity approach simply unethical. And speaking of that, we now know that Baron Trump, Donald Trump's son, was tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, now, uh, his um, mother, uh, Melania Trump, tweeted, uh, post said that uh, he is getting better, did not show any symptoms whatsoever, but it's clear that, that the coronavirus uh, outbreak in the White House was much more widespread than we believe. And also, Robert Patillo, guess what? Nick Saban, head coach of the University of Alabama and the athletic director, both have tested positive for coronavirus. Does that mean the people in Alabama are going to say this damn thing is not real? Well, more importantly, Georgia plays Alabama uh, coming up, so they better not, one, try to move the game. But uh, look, if Coach Saban can't be there and the dogs win, you know, that's on you. Survival of the fittest, I think. Uh, but back to the, the concept of herd immunity, that's got to be the stupidest, dumbest, most... Uh, no medical professional, no actual um, immunologist or public health official uh, has said anything about herd immunity for a reason. That even if you have 1% mortality rates. With 300 million people in this country, if you simply said, let the virus run wild, you're talking about sacrificing millions of people just so you don't have to wear a mask. Uh, and to say that that's unethical, that's unconscionable. And anybody who would suggest that, I think you have to check their belief system at the door. Uh, last week at the Rainbow Post Coalition 21st Annual Creating Opportunities Conference, we had our um, public health town hall with regards to the African-American community with Dr. Fauci, Dr. Deborah Furholden, Dr. Liam Duke from the National Medical Association, and we have protocols in place, which could bring this outbreak to an end if people simply took it seriously. Um, I, I don't get, I, I don't get the uh, the herd immunity thing, Michael. That's kind of crazy. Well, it's, it's it's mass murder. I mean, that's what it is. Uh, you can you know spin it and curl it up and make it look as pretty and sound as pretty as you would like, but millions of people would have to die to have herd immunity. And so if uh, this is the kind of country we are, to say, okay, you know what? Every one, every, you know, one in two families are going to lose somebody, but we'll have herd immunity if that's the direction folks want to go. But again, if you re-elect, elections have consequences. So if you re-elect this kind of thinking on November 3rd, and obviously early voting has started already all over the country, but if that's the kind of country you want, you know who to vote for. If that's not the kind of country you want and you want to wear a mask that takes, I don't know, two seconds to put on when you're out in public, it's safe. It keeps people safe. It keeps your family safe. It keeps people you don't know safe. It's about as patriotic as it gets. Then you know who to vote for. Uh, it's pretty kind of, pretty easy relative to how to deal with this COVID issue and who to support. So it's mass murder. It's dumb. The fact that it's even that folks are even raising it as a real issue is, is frankly just as real as putting bleach in your system. 
It's stupid and idiotic. Um, first of all, listen to any of these idiots uh, is crazy, uh, Scott. And uh, I'll be damned if I'm going to get coronavirus uh, purposely. I'm good. Uh-uh. No, I'm good. You know, I, I'm I ain't trying to screw my lungs up. Exactly. And long-term deficits or long-term issues, even if you survive. But, but understand the specifics of the, the herd uh, mentality. With a country of 350 million people, 330 million people, you're talking about infecting millions of young people, keeping middle-aged and older people safe if you can do that. And then you, you're, you're calculating that not 217 or even a half a million, but at least three, four, five, six, maybe eight or more million people die to save the country from corona as opposed to shutting down, using masks, physical distancing, washing your hands, and just kind of getting through it in a very safe manner where you're saving as many lives as possible. That's a huge difference. A smaller country might be able to do that, but even that failed in, um, in, the, in, in, in a couple of the countries that tried that. Uh, I don't think it was Switzerland, it was something else. But you're talking about on a massive scale, Michael's right, it's just mass murder. But you look at, and, think about the people who signed on to that. That's amazing. Hey, uh, but but they crazy. Robert, go ahead real quick. Just re- real quick, on that point, let's understand, like, I'm in Seattle right now uh, doing the show for my sister's guest room. Well, you have a really super fan across the street, Aaron. Uh, we saw them walking this morning. His wife had her, her <coughs> Rolling Martin unfiltered shirt on. That's what uh, I'm saying. me while I was walking <laughs> out here in Olympia, Washington. But we have all adapted to coronavirus. We all understand right. that instead of being in the studio in D.C., we can do it from our laptop uh, anywhere in the world. So how is the idea of infecting hundreds of millions of people with a deadly pandemic and hoping that it only takes out one to two percent of them a better idea than simply adapting to it as everyone else? And notice the people who are proponents of herd immunity, like President Trump and Rand Paul and Ted Cruz and uh, Chris Christie, the minute that they get it, they don't do herd immunity. They get state-of-the-art um, experimental treatments that can cure you in three days the rest of us just have to die. That's exactly what it is. All right, folks, y'all know what time it is. White people or no? Crazy. Wilding out. I'm white. I got you, bro. I know. I'm on my property. Whoa! Hey! Hey, remember. Give me your ass. You don't live here. I'm All right, y'all. Amy Cooper, sometimes publicly called the Central Park Karen, has been charged with filing a false report in a confrontation with a black man in Central Park uh, in May. She's charged with falsely reporting an incident in the third degree in her confrontation with Christian Cooper. According to prosecutors, there was a previously undisclosed second 911 call where she said he assaulted her. She appeared in court virtually, and Assistant District Attorney Joan Aluzi Orban said she would discuss a rehabilitative program with the defense. The judge set the next hearing for November 17th. Now, check this out, y'all. A Trump supporter identified as Robert Brissett was filmed taunting Black Lives Matter supporters with homophobic slurs before violently coughing on them at a gas station in Utah. You Democrats, Black Lives Don't Matter, All Lives Matter. You Oh, I'm so scared of your fucking 
I keep telling y'all, whoop that ass. You first of all, you yeah. you're coughing in my face. He says oh, I can charge you with assault. Uh, with coronavirus going on, nah, uh, that might not hold up in court, Scott. It, so, well, so you're a lawyer in this coronavirus deal. Dude comes over, minding your business, starts coughing in your face. Can I whoop his ass? Is that a? If he knows it. No, no. Yes. Actually, courts courts have uh, courts have ruled previously in previous cases, not with regards to coronavirus, but other communicable diseases, that any attempt to infect another individual against their will uh, is a for, uh, form of assault. So, well, also, Mark, you can argue that it would be a self-defense situation. But the little guy in the red shirt did like try to hit him one time, so I, I think that might count. Well, it depends on whether it was met with reasonable force or not. But if it's worse if he knew he had corona or may have corona. Let's say he didn't, and he gives it to them, and they can trace it, and he dies, let alone he, he is incapacitated for any amount of time. You're talking about criminal assault. You're talking about a civil lawsuit. So what you're saying is, what you're saying is I, could whoop, I, could, yes. whoop, I could whoop his ass if I'm protesting and he walks over and starts coughing in my face. I say yeah, yes. that would probably invite an ass whoop. You can't Michael? kill him, though. You have no, to meet no, force I, with reasonable I, force. I didn't say kill him. I said whoop his ass. Michael? Well, how, how hard are you going to hit him? Because he weaponized the cough. He, he didn't right. cough by mistake. It was a cough directly at the people, knowing it would scare them. He that the, the people that got caught. Right. It was intentional. Now, corona. So, yes, Scott, you could whoop his ass. Cool. Yeah. All right. That's all I wanted yeah, to know. Well, how hard you going to hit him? Hey, hey, now, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. <laughs> but if you cough in my face. Apprehensive felonious touch. You yeah. call, say it again, Robert. You place the victim in a reasonable apprehension of a felonious touch. So that would uh, vitiate a uh, use of self-defense in any state. Okay. Okay, so that's okay. a nicer so, way. Very professional. Yes, you can whip his ass, but keep you. my card with you. Yeah, no, nah, nah, I'm going to call Robert. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh. I, 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 I appreciate it. Scott, Robert, Michael, thank you so very much. All right, y'all. Thanks, uh, oh, every, every, of course, uh, every Wednesday, we have our tech segment. Roll it. So I, actually, we, we're going to do this here, folks. I, I'm going to get one more break in. Then we're going to come back for our tech segment uh, on Roller Mart Unfiltered. Back in a moment. We have to try and get to, to young people and make them matter, especially Latinos, because like you said, we're the fastest growing demographic in the country. I myself talk to people all the time. They're like, I, kids, the kids in my family that are now eligible to vote, they're like, yeah, but, you know, it's... It's just such a big task. It's so overwhelming. And I'm like, yeah, we're not changing the world in one day. We're just trying to make a small difference. And you do matter. Your vote does matter.
Bluetooth.com. Of course, they have uh, these uh, their headphones and their virtual reality headset as well. Sorry about that. Uh, this is their VR headset where you can watch the 360-degree video uh, with these headsets and also their 4-degree, 360-degree headphones, uh, which have amazing bass sound. Uh, so if you want to get these here, folks, you'll go to Seek.com. Go ahead and pull up the uh, code, folks. Seek.com, C-E-E-K.com, promo code RMVIP2020, RMVIP2020. And we certainly thank Seek.com, black-owned company, for being a partner here at Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, folks, uh, the uh, I Love Black People campaign to mobilize voters in battleground states. Well, that's kind of important. And so uh, they are using, of course, uh, technology, but also uh, T-shirts, uh, which is it's amazing how popular they've gotten. So check this out. Uh, here are the shirts right here, folks. And what's interesting about these shirts, they actually have a QR code uh, on the shirts, uh, which if somebody sees it, uh, they obviously can then get information about Voting. Joining me now is Jarvis Houston. He is a spokesman for uh, Love Black People. So Jarvis, um, who came up with this idea? Yes, uh, how you doing, Fred? The idea came for our founder, Sinclair Skinner, um, who's a Harvard alum, a member of Kappa Alpha Psi, but we won't um, do anything for him for that. He came up, he called me one day about the idea to run a first ever black business get out the vote drive where we're um mobilizing black businesses in all 10 battleground states and also the state of mississippi and the program is extremely simple we send window signs and t-shirts to black owned and black friendly businesses in any of the battleground states such as my, my dominican brother at luna's groceries in medicine wisconsin or my sister with honey sage in milwaukee wisconsin or my friend that has a bodega in um in flint michigan and Brother Seafood in Flint, Michigan, for example, they, they give out T-shirts to their customers. They educate them about voting. And um, it's simple. They, they, they hit the QR code, and then that automatically educates you about voting, such as provisional balloting. Most of us don't understand provisional ballots. If you're turned away from the polls, such as an ID issue in, in North Carolina or some other issue in Wisconsin, by, by, by law, you can still fill out and um, 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 cash your ballot via provisional ballots. So our goal is educating the voters, number one. And also, instead of someone sending you a random text and knocking on your door or calling people that you don't know, it's a lot more... Lot, is a lot more powerful if you have a black business owner that knows your grandma, knows your kids, knows your family to talk to you about the importance of voting. And during the civil rights movement, the same, the, the same thing, the black businesses, they looked at progress before profit. And it's the same thing today, um, years and years later, that we have these black businesses all working together, um, mobilizing over 500,000 voters in 10 battleground states in the state of Mississippi to get folks out to vote. And during the program, they're mobilizing customers. And each customer is mobilizing five people. We're calling it a rival five. A rival five people at the polls. Or a rival five people by getting five people to um, send absentee voting or early voting or any type of voting. And the goal is to get 500,000 people to vote via black, organizing black businesses in battleground states in the state of Mississippi. So uh, how many different shirts do y'all have? We have one shirt. Our, we have one shirt. We have the I Love Black People t-shirt that has the QR code, and we also have window signs. You know, if I'm walking down Brooklyn or Chicago on the main street or Raleigh, North Carolina, you, you have the area where you have the black businesses. So you, it's very powerful to see these window signs instead of, you know, the same old political sign where you see somebody's face and sign. You say, okay. 
But when you see I love black people and I'm a proud um, black-owned business, and you come in, we sign you up, get your information, um, such as your phone number to send you a text message or your email address, and then we start mobilizing you to vote. Because me being in politics, you can't just get someone to vote just just talking to them one time. You got to send them a text. You got to send them a telegram. You got to call them. You got to knock on their door. You got to make a you got to make a phone call. And you also got to touch them face to face. So we're using every means possible to hit the person at least five to seven times before Election Day. All right, then. And so uh, how many visas have y'all sold thus far? We have distributed about 50,000 T-shirts wow. throughout the country. Wow. All right, then. And so, all right, so when the election's over, what y'all gonna do then? I mean, y'all y'all, y'all can do this with all kind of stuff. So I Love Black People is an established um, black startup. We started about two years ago. We have an office in Washington, D.C., and we also have an office in Zimbabwe and Africa. Actually, we have over 50,000 members worldwide. Most of our members are actually in the continent of Africa. So we will continue. And I Love Black People is a black tech startup that uses the foundations of the Green Book to protect black people from racism and xenophobia. We're the only race of people that before we go out the country, like I went to Cartagena in March, I had to figure out if this race is there or are my organs going to get taken? Is something going to happen to me? And with all the black people, if I go to anywhere in the rural, I have a list of black-owned and black-friendly businesses that I can go down to feel safe. Our dear brother George Floyd and Michael Brown, one of the reasons they're not with us today because they went to businesses that they thought that supported them. And the business called the police on them. Domino effect, and you know what happened to them. They're not with us today. So we want to make sure that we provide safe spaces to black people throughout the world by providing black-owned and black-friendly spaces by going to our app or going to the All Love Black People website, using technology such as Uber. Even 10 years ago, if I tried to take a cab in D.C., that was a problem. In New York, it was a problem. But like with ride shares like Uber, they're not perfect. But it, it does curb racism a little bit by providing, using technology to protect us. And with all of black people, we're using the foundation of the Green Book that 50, 60 years ago, our great-grandparents and our grandparents, Brother Martin, had to use the Green Book. And now, unfortunately, we have 50, 60 years later, we still have to use the foundation of the Green Book to protect us as black people throughout the world from racism and xenophobia. And that's very problematic. So, uh, look, there's an opportunity here again. We're living. It's, it, I was, it's interesting. I was sitting here. I was looking at something. I remember when the Q Cat came out, uh, and it was widely panned, uh, and it was all about the QR codes. And, and, and frankly, it was one of those technologies that was way ahead of its time because we were simply not there. Now, of course, like for instance, you don't even need the separate app uh, for the iPhone. You just simply use your camera. Boom, takes you right to the website. And so this really uh, makes it. A lot easier, I, you know. I, I might I, I, since we just, since y'all doing that, I might, might have to hit my designer. And so we do our Roland Martin unfiltered shirts. We may, we may put our cash app um, Q, Q, uh, QR code on the back, so when somebody sees it, they can just give right there. <laughs> yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. We also have we use, we also put the um, QR code on our flyers and on our window signs. So if the person has a quick question, they hit the QR code. Especially millennials and younger people, even older people. You know, they hit the QR code and the voter information come to you directly. And sometimes we have a little anxiety because of COVID. All of us as black people, we know someone that lost their jobs because of COVID. And we know so- someone that lost their life because of COVID. And that's 
systemic racism, and that's the world that we live in today, and people are have anxiety about voting. So if you have a black leader, a black business owner, a minister, and you also have technology, you know, in your hand, and you and you and you feel a little bit at ease, and uh, that pushes you more to be willing to vote, especially if you feel like I don't have ID, or just you know, or I'm an ex-offender, and I know I can vote, but I'm kind of scared. Now, if you're educated, you understand provisional ballots, and you understand the laws in your state. That can push you more and give you the confidence to vote. And that's what we're doing. We're educating you and providing you the confidence and leadership and education to get you out to vote. All right. And that's why you're an alpha man. Jarvis, I certainly appreciate it, Frat. Thank you so very much. All right. Thank you, brother. All right. Take care. Folks, I love blackpeople.com. All right, y'all. One of the reasons why we want y'all to support what we do here at Roland Martin Unfiltered because of segments just like that. Here you have a segment that's sponsored by a black company, MarySpielSeek.com, and then you have us highlighting uh, black technology companies and the work that they're doing uh, with ILoveBlackPeople.com. And so we want y'all to support what we do. More than 13,000 of our supported fans have joined our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar you give goes to support what we do. Uh, of course, you saw me in Dallas on Monday, Houston on Tuesday. Uh, I'm working out details now. I may very well be in Raleigh, North Carolina on Tuesday, uh, next Tuesday, with early voting starting in North Carolina uh, tomorrow. And so, uh, Reverend Dr. William Barber and I are talking. Again, I might very well be on the ground there in Michigan, uh, in Georgia, in Mississippi, in South Carolina, and also Florida. I'm looking at Florida October 24th uh, there as well. And so, your dollars make all that possible. Your dollars make it possible for us to upgrade our technology, for us to be able uh, to have better uh, broadcast production when we're out in the field. There's some things that we're about to add that's going to make make it better for us as well. And so we want you to support us. Cash app, dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal.me forward slash RMartinUnfiltered. Venmo.com is forward slash uh, Venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered. Then, of course, you can send a money order to uh, New Vision Media, NU Vision Media, Inc., 1625 K Street Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. All of you folks here uh, on YouTube, more than 4,000, you can give right there on YouTube as well to support what we do. Those of you who give $50 or more, you get personal shout out from me on the show. Let's go. We got AG Green Ministries, Inc., Otto Bamberg, Albert Cathy III, Albert James, Angelina Brown, Annette Hopgood, Anthony Brown, Bonita L. Reynolds, Saka, Black Voters Matter Fund, Inc. Thanks a bunch, Cliff Albright, as well as Latasha Brown for y'all's support of what we do at Roller Martin Unfiltered. Bobby LaVert Boyd, Carolyn Jones, Charles Brooker, Coastal Carolina Football League. Thanks a bunch. Cordell Hill, D. Dolores Logan, Deanna Dickerson, Donna Kelly, Douglas Leak, Dr. Ralph Austin Jr., Eileen Pippins, Eleanor Green, Emery Fuller, Frank Dickerson, Jeffrey Carter, Grady Davis, Jane Rand, John Flournoy, Joy Jackson, Joseph Benefield, Karen Douglas Robinson, Keith Klingscales, Lisa Davis, Lisa Joyner, Lisa Norman, Lola Troy Publishing, Lori McLeod, Marcus Roberts, Marilyn Stevens, Marlene, Mary Randall, Willis Enterprises, Matlock, Melba Pete, Michelle Butler, Myra Campbell, Nancy Spencer, Nelson uh, 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 or Hygiene, uh, Patricia Harrison, Patricia James Cope, Pauline South Barnaby, Portia Johnson, Ralph Johnson, Richard Allen, Rosalind, Sharon, Sherry Petty, Shirley Thompson, Sonia Marks, Stuart Squires, Susan Bazell, Sweet Potato Pie Express. Okay, I, I, I need to try that one out, so I'm just letting y'all know. Um, Terrence Lorick, 
Thornton Consulting Firm, Top Disc Communication, Trevor Nicole Causey, Viola Parnell, Wachina Wood Woodard, Women of Icon International, and Yvonne Wallace. And also, folks, let me go over here. I'm going to read. There were some folks uh, with Venmo uh, who gave via Venmo. So just give me a second. Uh, I want to be able to scroll down. I'm just going to read all of them right now. Uh, Adrian Stevenson, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Uh, Erica McLeod, I appreciate it. Katura Ladd, James Joyce III. Uh, we also have uh, support from uh, Katura Ladd again. Uh, Danny Barlow, Johnny Evans. Uh, Jamal Young, thank you so very much. Robert Young, thanks a lot. And uh, Melanie Gross, uh, I appreciate it, Melanie. Aaron Donaldson, uh, thank you so very much. All right, folks, that's it for me. Tomorrow, of course, uh, we're going to have uh, more. We did not talk about Amy Coney Barrett. We're going to discuss, discuss it tomorrow. Uh, some questions asked of her by both Senator Kamala Harris and Cory Booker regarding issues of race. She ain't answer nothing. Uh, and so, it look, her, her confirmation is a foregone conclusion. But we're still, of course, are going to have that on tomorrow's show. All right, folks, uh, I certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. We'll see you all tomorrow. Take care. Stay black. Be unapologetic. And simply be unfiltered. Power! From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Network.